Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers. All angry millennial listeners can use coupon code angryphoto to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now, guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at ClickGearClothingLTD. All right. Today, we're recording out of Work Bar in Boston with Elizabeth McLeod of McLeod and More Incorporated. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? Good. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So, um, you know, first question I have, I know we talked about it before the show started. Uh, have you ever worked out of spaces like these? I, mean, I, I saw them as always a great way to interact with people and get out of the house because I, I work from home mostly. Um, but yeah, have you ever worked out of one of these places? You know, I've been in these spaces quite a few times and I always really like them, but I can't bring myself to commit to one. I work from home <laughs> too and I feel myself falling into that hobbit-like state sometimes. Right, right. So, I, you know, this one's really cool. Good energy. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because it's the amount of different people. Right. Right. That you meet and you have uh, interactions with and that kind of thing. And, and it's pretty neat. And free coffee doesn't hurt either. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know you said you work from home as well. That was one of my questions. I know on your, I was browsing your LinkedIn, you know. I got the notification. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, have you ever worked remotely for any of those previous jobs you had in the corporate world or was it mostly? I mostly worked out of an office. I freelanced a lot in college. So that brought me into the working from home space a little bit. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. All right. Yeah. Cause I tell people all the time, like there's so many benefits, so many benefits, especially in a Boston winter. Yes, exactly. And people, even for just companies, you know, cause you figure people can have the, the healthier work-life balance and be home and do things if they have kids, you know, do things with their kids, pick them up. I and mean, I, for me, I love that, you know, I can drop off my kids at school in the morning and pick them up in the afternoon. Right. I think I get so much more done too, yes. just because you're not forced to sit at this one desk all day. Or conversely, if you're like me, I was staying outside of the city and it said originally 20 minutes. It took me an hour to get in today Ooh. and I came in late. Like I came in, like, you know, I thought like I- Like after rush yeah, hour. Yeah, and it still took me like- Oh, um, Boston rush hour is like yeah. six in the morning yeah. to noon. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, I tell people all the time, if you're sitting there, that's what, sometimes two hours a day, right. you could be working. You, you know what I mean? Right. Like if you just have to get up and walk to- Your, your kitchen table. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? You're going to get a lot more done than if you're just sitting there on a train and or driving and you can't even be on your computer or right. anything like that. So- yeah, it's. I think it's trending that way. Um, I think so too, especially with the opportunities with Google Hangouts these days and how many people have, you know, in the advertising business, you have clients all over the place. Right. It doesn't matter where you are. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you make a good point. I mean, it's because you talk with people from everywhere and, you know, uh, I, I like my old job, we had an office in L.A., Chicago, um, 
and then I worked out of the New York. Well, I worked out of the New York office, but remotely from Philadelphia mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, and people sometimes were like, "Oh, you're you're not you're not in the office." I'm like, "No, I'm talking right. to you on my." You couch. can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still getting tons of things done, and and we're on Skype and Slack and everything like that, and email and phone calls. So it was never really like you were missing a beat. Right. It was just the the interaction. You know, the, the stuff like that. So that was something that, you know, like anything else, everything has its pros and cons. And, you know, that sometimes I used to miss that, you know, when you sit there and go, if I don't run errands, I could be at home for four days straight and never leave. Right. That's I have not thought. seen the sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scary, scary thought. Um, so it turns out we have a lot in common. You know, we're both cum laude graduates from good schools. We're both millennials. We both worked as project managers. And honestly, we're both not 100% in sync with corporate America. I think that's our biggest commonality. (laughs) And this is one thing I always think of, you know, why do you think so many of us have a similar story? I mean, we can't all just be the same, like have the same life philosophy, you know, as a whole generation. But I mean, why is that you think? Right. So I was thinking about this on the way here. And one thing I thought about was our generation was kind of the first where the world was working for us. You know, our teachers wanted to make us successful. Our coaches wanted to make us successful. There wasn't a ton of tough love, at least in, you know, my life and a lot of my friends. And then you enter the working world and it's not about you being successful anymore. It's about making your boss successful. Right. So I think, you know, that special snowflake mentality (laughs) is kind of well-deserved. You know, I think there's a lot of that in our generation, but there's also a lot to be gained from that special snowflake attitude, I think. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you you, want to sit there and say you need to have some confidence. Right. Right. And you need to, you know, feel like uh, you are in in a way unique. You know, we're not just all pieces of cardboard paper, you know. Right. I mean, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it it definitely is one of the biggest pitfalls of people our age is that they fit, they fall into this like you know whiny stigma, right? You know, and I know when you you wrote this article and how how I came across you, um, you know, one of the biggest things we'll get into that in a second was you know was fighting that fighting. Yeah. Listen, I'm not whining. I'm merely stating facts and. And it was one of those things where you say, you know, I'm not one because a lot of times you got the baby boomers of our, you know, our parents or, or other people, other generations where they say, hey, just just do the work, right? Just shut up. It's a job. Just just do it. And um, and you're sitting there going, that's fine. I will do it. I will do all the things that nobody wants to do. I will gladly do them. Just I will just want X. I just want this. And it's not a big ass, right? I just want it to matter, right? A little, right. Sometimes, yeah. even, yeah. You know what I mean? And. Uh, and yeah, so so going on to that, I know recently you'd written an article that got quite a bit of traffic. More than I ever expected. My goal for that article was 3,000 views. I think you've surpassed that. I mean, yeah, 1.2 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. About four times. That's yeah, not bad. you know. Yeah. Uh, and it was entitled, uh, Why Millennials Keep Dumping You? An Open Letter to Management. And you know, uh, why don't you explain your stance on it a little bit more? Um, you know, what was the process before and during writing that article? Right. So I had written blog articles frequently. I wrote them for internships. I wrote them all throughout college, but I was always writing them for another company or for somebody else. And I kind of took this time to write something that I really cared about. And that was the first time I really focused on what I had to say instead of what the brand needed to say. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where it really took off. And I'm so passionate about 
workplace culture and bringing that sense of purpose to other people that I think it really came through in the article and people more than millennials resonated with it. And that's why it got shared so much. No, it definitely, I mean, I came across it through your, your mother. And, and it was funny because immediately when I, when I read it, I knew exactly why it was, it was so polarizing. I mean, because it's literally people who are saying yes, or people who are saying, you're all stupid, get back to work. There are two yeah. clear sides <laughs> yeah. on that article. Yes. And it, it was just so passionate. So many. It was like, right. it was like YouTube comments. I was right. Reading. Like, they God were... help me if I write about religion or politics. Yeah, like, exactly. If this kind of rage can be ignited from workplace culture. Jeez. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, so that was one thing I thought about was, you know, so I know you had written, you had said, but you had been like a content creator for other right. companies, right? So, you know, was it purely your experience in the corporate world drove you to write that? Or was it kind of like, well, I got to write more and I want to write for myself. And this is something that kind of just came up out of it. Um, I think a combination of both. I was definitely wanting to write more. It's something I love to do, something I don't do enough. And I had also seen, I graduated in January of 2015 from BU, and I had seen so many of my friends hit the six-month mark in their entry-level job and just start to hate their life. (laughs) And in like six months, all my friends had quit their jobs. So I was thinking, you know, what is the problem here? Right. It has to be addressed. This isn't sustainable at all. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean- for me, it was it was the not the opposite problem, but I I see I graduated college in 06 uh, from Iona, go Gales. Yeah, I don't know it. I've never heard. Yeah, of it's it. near the Bronx. It's a good school. They're going for I, university I status. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I I graduated there, and then I knew the the job market wasn't great, and it was so when I was in high school, I wasn't a very good student. Just being honest. I was more about sports and cars and, you know, parties and stuff. But when I went to college, I started doing well. And when I graduated with honors, I thought, oh, wow, maybe I could keep going and and that kind of thing. So I just said, well, why don't I just go to grad school and get my MBA? And if I don't do it now, I know I'm going to not want to go back to school in, you know, five, six, seven years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I may as well just get over with. And one of the toughest things I ran into was that, it was uh, that when I graduated, it was in 08. So wasn't much of a better time to look for a job. Debatably worse. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was worse. Um, and so my problem was I had a couple like little internships, but it wasn't uh, – basically, I couldn't even get the opportunity – to then say this sucks and I want to quit. Right. And it was, you know, luckily I had photography and, and, and I concentrated on that. But it was funny. I kept trying to go back to that corporate, you know, I interviewed, let's see, I interviewed at Bank of America Corporate, Morgan Stanley, Hess Corporate, uh, a desk on Wall Street, oddly enough. Um, a whole bunch of places, you know, that were people, I'd tell people and they'd be like, huh? And I'm like, yeah. I was an advertising under under undergrad. And then I did, you know, my MBA in marketing. So it was like, to me, it was the easiest. Yes, but it was the easiest thing that wasn't like fully statistics or, right. you know. Looking at Excel sheets exactly. forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but it was, it was you know, tough as well. And and I feel like, you know, my, my father, he's a baby boomer. And we talked about it a lot. And he, he, would, he would say, like, I really feel for your generation because it, I don't know when it's going to get any better. 
And and if it even if it does, it's going to be completely different. And I and I agree, you know. And I still feel like we're, you know, what it's been almost ten years, you know, since it's still hard to get a right. job. And and it's still even if you get one, like you said, it's it's one of those things where like everything's changed. People aren't making the same money they used to, and right, you know, everyone now, everyone I talk to now is a ten ninety nine contractor. No one wants to hire people full time and. You know, I'm sure that's fun doing your own taxes. <laughs> oh probably, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I tried to file quarterly and I was like, this is, every time I wanted to do it, I had just paid for the year. So to say that you wanted more money in like a couple months, I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> but um, I know recently you came into the fold uh, at McLeod and Moore Inc. I did. Uh, a sales consultancy company led by Lisa, your mother who is a force to be reckoned with. She is a power player. Yes. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I followed her for a little bit on LinkedIn. I read her articles and stuff like that. And, and yeah, she's, she's, she's like someone who, I mean, it's one of those things where I wanted to ask you what it was like going from your previous company to now working for your mother's company. Um, You know, at my old job, I worked with my brother. You know, mm-hmm. so so I I kind of know some of the difficulties that can come about with working, you know, with something like that. But it seems like, you know, when I follow Lisa for some time, I can imagine she's someone that effortlessly can make you feel like a superhero. I think that's pretty true. So, did you find any kind of certain like quirks or things about it when you were coming from? previous companies? Right. So I had worked for McLeod and Moore since I was 10 years old. So I kind of saw this company grow really quickly, you know, beneath my feet. I Mm -hmm. think I was the only 10 year old making sales calls to (laughs) Barnes and Noble. Um, That's awesome. But now that I'm here full time and I'm not just freelancing or contracting for any of our clients, it's definitely different. And Lisa can make you feel like a superhero, Mm -hmm. but I think both of us are on the same page if we put that energy into our clients. And we don't sit on the phone and tell each other how awesome we are. We just try (laughs) and do great work for our clients and really build them up and help them grow. Right. Yeah. I noticed you're, you're, so you're out of Boston and you stayed here obviously from, from school, right? Right. From BU. From BU. Now, are you originally from the Atlanta area? I am. I grew up oh, in Atlanta, okay. and that's why my mom is still there. Oh, nice. Where about in Atlanta? Snellville, Georgia. Snellville. Like, Snellville. Snellville. Oh, Snell. Like, if you pinch your nose, Snell. Yes. <laughs> oh, very cool. Like Whoville. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> how, how far of that uh, is that out of Atlanta? About an hour. It's that's not too bad. No. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, my cousin used to um, play for the Braves. So I was a big Braves oh, fan okay. growing up in, in New York. And it was it was hard because it was in the 90s. So Braves and Yankees was a big rivalry. And I'd go to uh, Met games and Yankee games with like a, a Lopez jersey and get full beers thrown at me. And it was, it was oh, fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 15 years that's old. That's what sports is all about, yeah, really. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Um, but that's pretty cool. So, so, uh, so you obviously work from remotely and that sort of thing. I work remotely. We do travel a lot to see a lot of our clients in person though. So I would say my time is spent about 50% traveling, 50% in Boston. Okay, nice. What's some of the recent places you've been? Um, we were with Google out in San Francisco for a while. Nice. That was awesome. Nice. I got to ride a Google bike. It was definitely (laughs) one of the coolest experiences ever. So what was that campus? It was awesome. We went to the San Francisco campus and the Mountain View campus Wow. to work with two different teams and both campuses were super cool, really different the mm-hmm. vibes were just awesome yeah one of the offices had a life-size justin bieber cut out mm. you know you can't hate it mm. can you though okay we're going. <laughs> okay 
Um, but that was really great. We also work with Hootsuite up in Toronto. I didn't even know they were Canadian. They are Canadian. Mm, look at that. Cool. A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we work with G Adventures, another Canadian company. Oh, okay. Nice. So have you found that? I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been to Canada a few times. I used to work, uh, for like a race team mm-hmm. and we've been up there and both times I went over there, I got detained. Crossing, really? Yeah. Crossing the border. How? It's oh, Canada. I know. And that's what I thought. <laughs> and the, you know what the worst part was? Coming back into the States, uh, the one time it happened, I had the driver, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. very Anglo looking. I was like, I'll have him drive my car. Maybe he won't get, you know, won't get pulled over and that kind of thing. And sure enough, we got detained again. And we had to have one of those uh, big x-ray trucks drive by, a whole line of cars. And, I've never had yeah. that experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. But I'm sure yours went very... Much differently. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, Hootsuite is a really cool company. They have offices in San Francisco, Canada, London is another wow. big hub for them. I didn't know they were that big. They're huge. Wow. All, and I mean, well, for people who don't know, tell us a bit about more uh, about Hootsuite. So Hootsuite is a social media management company. They have a dashboard where companies can manage all their social channels and social relationships in one place. Really awesome software, Mm. super cool. And we've kind of been with them from the ground up. We did a big project with them right before they did their biggest round of funding, Mm -hmm. kind of focusing on corporate culture and what we call their noble purpose, Mm -hmm. which is connecting people with meaningful relationships. Right. Or turning messages into meaningful relationships, sorry. Mixing up my noble purposes. (laughs) But they're super cool, really on fire for social media, awesome people. Nice. And I know I've used it years ago, um, and I'm not sure if the models change. So it's like one of those things where you can use it for free for like one or two accounts, right? Right, and then as you add users, you you pay pay and go kind of up the ladder. And they have a new program, which is called Amplify, where you can send messages to a whole corporation, another really cool kind of branch of their software. Oh, that is pretty neat. Nice. So like you said, so a lot of what you guys do is, well, let's just say for those two, it's helping them with the pitch in a sense, like presenting. Kind of. So what we focus on is really um, kind of in the culture sales leadership space. Mm -hmm. And we help companies find what we call their noble purpose, which is what you do for who, who you serve, why you do it. And we craft these stories around their noble purpose. So why did the CEO find this company? And what we found is it's super important for all the employees to know why their CEO is involved. Yeah. Why did you go into this? Mm -hmm. You know, pay the bills? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it kind of evolved into this tech space just because that element of building a company is super important in kind of round two, round three of VCs. Right. So in that sense, it kind of naturally evolved into the tech space and into that time in a company's life. But we also work with, you know, bigger brands who are just trying to do a culture overhaul. Right, right. So, yeah, so tell me a bit about, if you can, uh, what you did for Google. Um, I can speak very top level mm-hmm. of working with Google. They're an awesome client. And they're really, what I can say about them is that they're very focused on building their people. Working for Google is awesome. And I technically work from a cloud and more, but I feel like I work for Google every <laughs> time I'm there. They're so empowering. The sales leadership they have in their sales force is unbelievable. It's a great team to work with. So we're nice. just helping them, you know, make that even better. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you, so you work primarily with sales 
departments, like kind of train right. them up in certain companies mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Nice. Good to know. Uh, okay. So one thing I couldn't help but notice, and I, and I have to ask. So when I was looking at your LinkedIn, the second person in your people also viewed these profiles was Monica Lewinsky. I, I have to ask. Right. Any networking stories there? Did you I don't have any networking <laughs> stories with Monica Lewinsky. I know Lisa wrote an article about her probably a couple years ago, I uh-huh. think. And maybe it's from that. I mean, I love what she's doing these days. Her TED Talk was great. So I'm oh, definitely. I have, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been up on it. So tell me about it. What yeah. Is, so she did this TED Talk called The Price of Shame, kind of about her story and right. how she overcame it. And she's doing a lot of cool stuff in the tech space, involved with a lot of startups. So I'm happy people see us as equal yeah, connections. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I, I saw that and I was like, huh? Yeah, unfortunately, we've never met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw she's out of, I guess, London now? Or she's based out of London? I think uh, so. Oh, huh, interesting. She's still in the political scene too, I think, oh, as yeah? a consultant. Oh, okay. All right. So it was funny. When I was in college, um, speaking of writing, I wrote my uh, senior senior thesis on what employers value more, education versus work experience. And, you know, it's funny. So I, at that point, I was already kind of like on track to go to grad school. And uh, and I interviewed a whole bunch of like CEOs and presidents and high-level executives at a bunch of different companies. And naturally, experience is what won out. And uh, and I was like, oh man, like that was, you know, I'm sitting there going, I'm going straight into school, and oh, you know, but but it was funny that gap. What I realized was what I was quote expected to make, or you know, expecting on paper, and my little work experience when I graduated, it was you know, I couldn't find work for years because it was it was weird. So, um, on paper. I looked like I was very expensive in a sense, right? Right. But, then they go, but this guy doesn't have enough work experience to justify, you know, that salary, whatever. Uh, and then to other people for an entry level job, they're like, well, well, you can't give him that because he doesn't expect, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it was so hard to, you know, how do you say to people in a non desperate way, I just want a job. Right. I, you know, I, I just want a chance. Let me get my foot in the door. I'll do whatever. But just right. give me a shot, and it was it was really hard. Um, I, let's see now. I'm 32, and I think maybe. So you're kind of a grown up. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of adulting. Yeah, I'm trying. You know, um, <laughs> it's funny. You're like, oh, he's old. You you're like a real adult. Like, no, you probably have your own health insurance. I Jeez. do, and two kids. Yeah, it's scary. You know, but. <laughs> But uh, it, it's funny. So when I when I thought about this and, and I talked to people about it, you know, because that's all you could do when you're out of work, right? And uh, it was funny. I really felt like modern education was going to have some sort of huge change. Because if you think about it, I mean, look at the school you went to. Mm-hmm. I mean, colleges, the model today has been around for some two, three hundred years. Right. It hasn't really changed. Um, the only thing that's gone up is, oh, I don't know, the price of books and tuition. Everything. Yeah, every single year. But the model has kind of stayed steady and the same for so right. long. Like you're sitting there going, well, our parents in the, let's just say, 60s and 70s could have worked a 
part-time job and put themselves through college. Right. I saw an infographic on that of how many hours it took as a Mm -hmm. waitress to pay for your college. Mm -hmm. And I calculated it and I was like, I'm going to have to work 185 hours a week to pay (laughs) for college as a waitress. You're like, that's not going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's, I mean, honestly, I, I really like, um, I know you're into, you're into tech and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So have you ever heard of uh, Creative Live? I have. Oh, awesome. Sweet. So the, to me, that was something. So the founder of that company, co-founder of that company, Chase Jarvis, is a, a photographer as well. Mm-hmm. And he started, I think, about five years ago. And I was very much in tune with what he was doing and that kind of thing. And uh, and in a couple years ago, I actually got the chance to go out there and meet him and, oh, and cool. all this stuff. And it was really great. Um, he actually should be on the show hopefully in the next month or so. We're going to have him on. But um, the the big thing was that he, we kind of felt the same way where he was saying like the way people learn nowadays is is changing. You right. know? And people, the first thing people ask me when they hear I'm a creative type, they go, oh, where'd you go to art school? And I was like, I didn't. You know, I, I just went to a regular college and it wasn't until my senior year that I got really into photography. Um and and they asked me, oh well, if you could do it all over again, you know, would you would you go to art school? Yeah. Me personally, um, probably not, you know. But it's it's everyone's different, you know what I mean. So I tell people like when people ask me, well, what do you think, you know, young photographers should I go to art school? Should I not? And I said, well, I can't answer that question for you. It's it's something you have to answer on your own. However, <laughs> if you're the type of person that um, likes structure. And needs to have like a direction to go in and be kind of told what to do and and you you need to, that kind of focus. You'll love art school, right? Well, if you're the kind of person where you don't have a huge respect for authority and you like kind of being a free spirit in terms of what you're creating, uh, you're going to hate art school. <laughs> well, and how many seventeen year olds know what right. they want to do with the rest of your life? Right, and that's a really scary thought too when you think about it. How they tell you in college. That you have to, what, by your sophomore year. So you, right, so by say, the time you're 19. Yes, by the time you're 19, you have to know exactly what you want to do forever. Right, and there is no changing it. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so sad because th- this to me is one of the worst things is that what you majored in in college no longer matters. It's, did you graduate? Oh, okay, great. It's a check the box. Right. You know, and, and it's it's one of those things where when I got my MBA, I was even people telling me it's like that's like the new college degree. It's nothing right. special, you know. Um, and and it's it's like the only reason people want to see that you actually have a degree from college is because you stuck with something. That's exactly. like that's the only that's what it shows. Right. That's the only thing it shows. Like, hey, it sucked and it was four years and you picked a major and you probably hated it and here you are but working. But you did it. Right. <laughs> here you are working some job that probably is nothing like what you majored in, but but you're here and you did it. So that shows some dedication and some guts and <laughs> and uh it's really sad that that's normal. I totally agree. You know, and uh so people ask me, Oh, well, what would you do? And I say, Well, with the amount of free information out there nowadays with Google and YouTube and videos and tutorials and that kind of thing. Uh, I would probably just do that and keep shooting. And that's how I learned. I was, I took one intro class my senior year and then the rest of it was just self self taught, you know, just going out and doing it. Um, And I say between just going out and doing it and watching videos and everything else, I'd I'd be fine. Then I would kind of redo what I just did. 
Um, but with Creative Live, it's interesting that when this model came out, what I found so neat was, you know, people who don't know, it's, you know, it's a website where you go on creativelive.com and you can basically watch someone in that space, let's just say an expert in their, in their field, teach an entire course. Sometimes they're a day, sometimes they're three days long and they're completely free to just live stream and watch it while it's happening. And they're on everything. So in the beginning, it was a lot about creative base, but now it's like graphic design, photography, health and wellness, yoga, meditation, like right. it runs the whole gamut uh, of things that you just want to get more uh, experience or, or learn yeah, more. brush up right, on. Right, learn more about or brush up on. And, you know, I really started thinking, I mean, you remember, uh, let's just say... Eh, mostly in the last, like, since the 2000s, that, like, all the online schools were a joke. It was, like, community right. college, in a sense. I'm not putting it down to community college, but in a sense, it was, like, people didn't Like, take hardly it. real, Right, almost. people didn't take it serious. Uh, and then nowadays, you have, like, I think there's, like, Southern New Hampshire University or something like that. You can get an executive MBA online from Harvard yeah. nowadays. Yeah, you know, and I went to, uh, I started, I didn't finish, but I went to Drexel, their LeBeau Business School, and they had an uh, MBA program. Same thing. They now you can get it online and do your online MBA, um, and you know. And when I did mine, I did it at night, and it was I worked full time in a studio and did that at night and worked on other jobs. It was like crazy for a year and a half, um, but it was you know one of those things where I sat there and said, well, if I did this online. Uh, like for me, I knew like I need at least like somewhere to go and sit down and right. do the work and that kind of thing, have a library to check out and, and work from there. Um, because whenever I did a couple online classes when I was in college, horrible. I was like, oh, read this and check this forum and go here and here's the post and download It's hard this. to self-motivate. Yeah, yeah. Especially you know? when you don't like it. Exactly. And when you're in college too, let's be honest. Right. I mean, now I have an easier time, but back then it was... Oh, you know, like I just, I just didn't really agree to it. But, but at the same time, it's, it's a lot more viable nowadays and it's got a lot more respect. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, what do you think is like the future of higher education? Do you think it's in a trend completely? It's online and, and, and schools yeah. are going to have to just adapt or, or die kind of thing. I had this great professor, FBU, mm-hmm. Professor Sender, all-time superstar. And his favorite thing to say was evolve or die. Right. And I think it's so true, you know, from education to advertising to really any business. Right. And I think some teachers are doing it. Some teachers are embracing Twitter and Instagram, these online classes and YouTube tutorials. And some teachers are, you buy the textbook, I'm going to sit here and talk. And I think you know, they're dividing even more every year. And especially with now you don't need to learn really any hard information and memorization is pointless because you have it all on your phone. Um, The more professors focus on things like leadership and kind of those sales skills and things like that and embrace technology, those are going to win out. And I think I saw it at BU, a big divide in the university and I think these universities are going to have to face some tough choices on which side they're going to take. Right. Online will probably prevail eventually, but it's going to be a long process. Yeah. I mean, because let's be honest, higher learning in colleges and universities, it's a pretty big business. It is and, a huge business. Right. So it's, it's kind of like to, to see that shift. 
who knows? I mean, I, maybe I know your, your sister's here. I'm just going to pry real quick. What grade, what grade are you in? You're a senior in high school. Okay. I thought, no offense, if they were younger. It's great. No, I know. You get it all the time. For sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, maybe not her, but maybe like, honestly, I don't know, maybe my kids. I was going to say your 10. kids. Yeah, my son's 10. So maybe him, maybe in the next eight, 10 years, it will be enough that you're going to see like a, an actual pretty big shift, right. um, you know, to where, I mean, I remember when I went to college in 2002, it was like, crazy they said you should buy a laptop for college <laughs> and that was like a big deal you know what i mean that was like right. oh i need to have this oh, oh okay i can't just get by with like you know notebooks and, and and textbooks and stuff right oh okay and let's be honest all i did was watch you know videos on it and play video games solitaire yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. i play solitaire well minesweeper you know um but <laughs> it um yeah, I mean, and look at it today where some teachers, you know, they get like iPads and they'll teach off an iPad. Right. One of my classes had a hashtag in college Shut and we were up, supposed really? to live tweet. The same professor, Professor really? Sunder. And we would live tweet our class with these sound bites. And I remember it so well. And I just think that's so the way the world is going. And right. then I had other classes where I'm like, this is the biggest waste of a few thousand dollars I've ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> that's pretty. So what would, what would, I mean, I'm sure people were just, abusing it and just being absolute dicks but like what would you lie to it like this class sucks hashtag you know philosophy 101 like, <laughs> so the hashtag was yo sender and we were supposed to yo sender we had a lot of guest speakers we watched a lot of videos oh, so we cool. would tweet comments and surprisingly i don't remember one time where someone was being an asshole right on it because maybe it's connected to your name and the guy giving you the grade is reading it <laughs> um <laughs> But it, it was point. really interesting because you could spark these discussions and he would have the live stream up on the projector and oh, you would read wow. everyone else's comments. Oh, well, that's pretty much why you wouldn't do it. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah, they're, they're putting no on, anonymous right, nature there. On blast. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, it was awesome. That's really cool, actually. And that was the one thing I noticed when I was in college. The biggest thing I like professor wise that I took away was the adjuncts. You know, the people who were coming in at night after working in the real world, working, you know, and a lot of times they would bring in, I don't want to name drop because it was kind of against the rules, but they'd bring in like actual stuff from work right? and be like, here's it, let's work on this case study, let's work on this. And it's literally, it's it's from today. Exactly. Especially in fields like advertising. I'm thinking, you haven't been in this world in 15 years. Right. What are you going to tell me about paid search advertising? Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's funny that was when I started, uh, kind of how I got into, let's just say, into this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started teaching earlier this year, that was immediately the first thing I thought of was, okay, I've been a photographer for 10 years and I still shoot, but I haven't been shooting in a while because I was concentrating on my other job. And at that point, I probably didn't, I probably shot like three times the year before that. And I was like, I really gotta, I really gotta keep up with it because I didn't want to feel like, like you said, that professor who last time he was relevant was like, you know, two decades prior. Right. And, and feel like I was out of touch. So, uh, in that sense, I started um, blogging, you know, more because I always knew I had to do it. I just, you know, yeah. I'm lazy, didn't do it. So I started blogging more and, you know, shooting and doing more one on one workshops and stuff like that. And it really helped. You know, it really made me feel like I was giving the students more, um, 
more good content, things do more quality content out of what they were getting in the class and that kind of thing. Um, and it was funny when, when I was looking for work this past year and had trouble, it was when I started dedicating myself to doing my own thing, it was crazy how quickly it started getting a lot more progress in the last seven months of my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was, you know, I started writing and blogging more and then I started writing for a big website like a couple weeks later as a staff writer. And then, you know, went to an expo, started this, went to an expo, got another offer to write for another company to create content for them. Uh, and I'm sitting here going, how is this happening in a month? And I was trying my hardest, you know, for seven months to really look for a job and I didn't get any, Closer, you know. I went on mm-hmm. lots of interviews, and this is a good question to ask you because you're you're um, we're not far in age, but you're in the the job market now in a sense right. that when when I started, it was you know, oh, it still is very much who you know, but it was okay. You go in, and maybe you'll have like a two stage interview process, maybe three. I mean, yeah. Nowadays, when I went back, I was kind of taken aback by how it was. Um, it was, uh, let's see, a two, three-stage phone screening. Then if you got past that, it was a two, three-stage in-person interview process. And you know how that can go. But even between those two stages, let's just say five or six of them, it could be a week or two weeks you don't hear anything. Right. It's a long process. Right. And you're sitting there going, how am I supposed to feel any kind of momentum or positivity toward this job where even if I'm getting to the next level, I still have so many to go that, you know, how am I supposed to feel like I'm, you know, motivated or make any progress or excited that they're excited about me? Right. And it was funny. I had um, a recruiter friend of mine who, when I, w- I was voicing my opinion on Facebook one day, and she even said it. She's like, that's why I quit. It was like, I had the hardest time as an executive recruiter to tell people, oh, don't worry. They're really, really into you. But there's all that. You know, you know what I mean? You're right. So why and, is it taking so long? Yeah. Yeah. You know? right. I worked for a recruitment firm in Boston my senior year of college. I interned for them. And it's the same thing. The world of recruitment is changing really right. quickly. And it's moving to be so online. Recruiters are getting bypassed for things like Indeed and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's shifting. Yeah. I mean, I actually, that's where I got a lot of um, people reaching out to me was on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. And just like recruiters just... Like I did um, one job I got, which was really interesting, early this year, was shooting headshots for Verizon Wireless. And Verizon Wireless, people who booked me was actually LinkedIn. And LinkedIn was teaching them about their sales navigator platform on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And, and I would you know, I'd be there for an entire day watching this presentation like five or six times. So I'm pretty good at it now. But <clears throat> it was interesting to me uh, to see how, as a, as a salesperson or recruiter, they would use those tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, wow, that's really neat. But, and, and like you said, that's kind of where it's at. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's evolving. And, you know, the recruiters who are rolling with the punches and going on LinkedIn and adapting to that new way are the ones who are going to make it. Evolve or die, in the yeah. words of Professor Sender. Yo Sender. We should hashtag Yo Sender today. I'm sure he would love it. I will definitely hashtag There it. you go. There you go. Um, so i got to ask. Who's your biggest brain crush in the tech space today? All right. Yeah. I have an overall crush on Elizabeth Holmes. 
You know who that is? The actress? No. No, Cascadia Holmes. Okay, Elizabeth right. Holmes. Go Elizabeth on. Holmes. So she founded a big um, kind of tech medical combination mm-hmm. company. She dropped out of Stanford when she was 19 wow. to do a blood testing research company thing. Mm-hmm. And it eventually grew so big. She's the youngest female billionaire oh, wow. these days. She has blonde hair and we have the same name. <laughs> So I naturally have to be in love with right, her. Right, But she does a lot of really awesome work. She's a global ambassador for entrepreneurship. I really admire her commitment to her foundation, which is Iron Sisters, oh, wow. which is about supporting women in tech. So she's nice. a super cool girl. And actually, so one of the, when I went to, um, I can't believe I'm going to not remember her name, but her name was Megan. I remember that. She was, I, I want to say, the director or CEO of Google X. Okay. And Megan, oh, I'm gutted. I'll, I'll definitely update it in the, in the episode notes, but same thing. She was, you know, oh, wow. Like she ran the, the think tank at Google. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it was, that's a big deal. The woman you just mentioned, mm-hmm. Holmes, how old is she now? I think she's probably in her thirties, yeah. maybe close to 40. Mm-hmm. She's young. Mm-hmm. And her board is, I think all men and she's the youngest one by far. That's awesome. So, she, you know, she's just really cool. She pursued what she loved, even if it meant dropping out of school. Right. Super smart, obviously really on something with that blood testing. And she's really cool. I just really admire her for her tech knowledge and for her space in the philanthropy world. Nice. Have you ever uh, reached out to her or anything like that? I haven't. I think I'm kind of scared. You know, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Okay. Like, what does yeah, she yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can understand that. Um, well, if believe me, if I've learned anything through doing this in the short time, it, you never know. And, and that That's was true. that was the same thing with like photography jobs. You know, you never know without asking. You know, and right? Maybe I'll tweet her this episode. There you like, go. Listen to me gush about you yes. on this podcast. Yes. Be like, <laughs> what was the biggest takeaway? I really like her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and she's my iron sister. There she go. is. There you go. Nice. Do it up. All right. I I, I will expect that. I'll be, I will. I'm inspired. I'll be, yes. <laughs> Hashtag yo sender and, you know. At Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Holmes. On the angry millennial. There you go. There you go. All right. Awesome. So I know you're so new and I, you know, I know it's early on, but uh, do you have any plans on directions you'd like to see McLeod and more go into the future now that you're the VP of project management? Right. So our company was going growing really quickly. Mm -hmm. I've been in the company since I was 10 in a lot of different roles. But when I joined, the reason I joined is because we got this big project with Google. Mm -hmm. And there was a big space for a project manager there. And I naturally filled the void. I worked a lot with Google in my previous position with AdWords. So it's kind of a natural transition in that sense. But also, Lisa is one person, Mm -hmm. and she only has a limited number of hours. Right. So we got to the point where she's having to decide between projects. And I was like, this is not a great spot to be in. Well, it is a great spot to be in, but we should be getting more work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw a real opportunity for me to kind of take on a project management role in these long-term consulting projects and making sure we're meeting our deliverables and our clients are meeting our deliverables and kind of propelling these projects forward in a really aggressive way. Right. So I see in the future a lot more project work, which is something I love to do, kind of these larger sales overhaul, marketing overhaul, culture overhaul projects. And we're also working on this thing. You might be interested Mm -hmm. next year called an entrepreneurship summit. 
Mm. which is going to be a one week intensive program for entrepreneurs who might be in the VC funding stage, might be just out of that to really name their noble purpose, create a company culture, start to be really intentional about it Mm. and grow their firm, you know, from the inside out, your people are your biggest value. Right. So that's going to be super cool. I'm really excited to be working on that. We're going to have some awesome guest speakers, and it's, I think it's going to be awesome. So That's I really awesome. want to grow that part of us nice. too. Nice. So uh, have you ever heard of like 99U? No. From Behance? So Behance is kind of like, I, I would, I guess the most loose term, most broad term I could say is it's kind of like LinkedIn for creatives. Oh, I think I have heard of this. Right. So it's like you can post your portfolio right. on there and people will get work. People search for people on there. Um, they started a, a division called 99U where it, they made like really great books you should check out. Um, and and they also started doing a kind of like a conference and they have it out of New York and it's, I wanted, I wasn't going to go last year and then ended up being that it, I was like planning on it for months and it ended up falling on the day I was moving from Philadelphia to Baltimore. Not yeah. great timing. Yeah. So I was like, I can't really kind of do that. So, um, but it was the same thing. It was all of the heavy hitters in like tech and everything else the last few years and just, you know, it was the who's who of going and just really kind of, and what was neat too was if you paid to go, um, different partner companies would run like little mini workshops. Breakout that, sessions. Right. We'll that would them. come, that would come out and be like, you know, the morning of this day or the afternoon this day or like, oh, here's an after party here. And, and it was really neat because it was a lot of that, you know, collaboration and networking and. and right. And you, you know. meet people who are interested in the same thing and different things than you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it could be, you know, if you meet people who are doing the same exact thing you do, it's great to bounce ideas off of, but at the same time, you can't really work together. Right. Whereas, you know, when you have a a product or a service and you meet other people who do other things and you go, oh, I can hire you for this and that and, you know, get stuff done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's pretty neat. So um, there's a big transition lately, and and we kind of talked about this a bit, was, you know, where where did you go to school is now what have you made right you know and is and, and like we said it's not so many uh people concerned with you know unless you went to harvard or, or yale uh where you went to school and that kind of thing and, and it's i think is mostly because there's so many amazing tools at people's disposal these days that it's almost a, a duty right you know, what do you that, have to show for yourself exactly like you know there's all this stuff so what have you done you know and um, so let me ask you, what's what's next on your list of things that you want to build or create? Right. So I am a creative person, mm-hmm. but I am not an app builder. I have a lot of app ideas, but I guarantee you one will never come from my keyboard. <laughs> um, what I'd really like to focus on is creating a real community of entrepreneurs who are intentional about their company culture, who are intentional about their sales process and their backstories and work. And I think my biggest goal in life is to just help people love their jobs and to help leaders create a team who loves what they do. Right. So I think part of that is through this entrepreneurship summit. Part of it is through project work. And I think just growing McLeod and more and working more with Lisa, we're headed in a great direction. So I'm not sure after the next year what's next, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. And that's that's honestly a pretty exciting spot to be in, right? I'm amped. Yeah, you know, to say that you're you're excited and you for what's coming and you don't know, it's kind of the best part. Right. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, thank you for coming out today. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. The last question we'll do is to kind of wrap this up would be a lot of times at the end we ask our, our guests, you know, who's someone that you think you 
we you'd like to hear us talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, they don't have to be necessarily anyone who's a, um, well, I usually say a photographer, but obviously you know that. But any kind of person just doing like creative stuff, just let me know if anyone comes to mind. Elizabeth Holmes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, hey, we can probably try. You, know? <laughs> you can always try. I would propose a challenge to you of the creative minds I think are the hardest to find. Mm-hmm. So the people you know who are here at Work Bar probably have super interesting things to say, even though they don't have websites. Mm-hmm. The people who are not as talkative at Starbucks probably really interesting to say. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone on a college campus probably has a great idea. I know while I was at BU, it seemed like everyone had the next big thing and it was such a cool vibe. Right. So I'm not sure. I'm sure the most creative people are people who I don't even know about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. So let's just say we'll chalk it up to wish list Elizabeth Holmes. Right. Right. And I would say obtainable are the people at work. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we'll just take a poll. We'll just walk around here. We'll and just be like, hey, you want to come in there? You do uh, a man on the street. Just yeah. spot questions. Yeah, you know. But, uh, but listen, thank you again for coming out. Yeah, um, thanks. Hope you had a great time. I, I had it was time awesome. Talking with you. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear from you soon. For sure. All right. Take care. Thanks.